it's very simple to connect with people if you have good intentions. And that's what I was going to say that about the identity. If your identity is centered around something that you are and something who you are to serve others, you will never fail in the identity department. Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Scott, of course. And today with me, today I have with me Adam Vibe Gunton. Adam is a recovered addict, uh, a speaker, a best-selling author, and founder of Recovered on Purpose. Really looking forward to getting into that. But first, a few words, a few shout-outs to a couple of my sponsors. Um, first and foremost, one that I don't give enough uh, shouts or props to is Dapper Guru. Dapper Guru is a men's, uh, you know, shave, started as a men's shave company, but they have the, the manly uh, bath bar, whatever you call it, shower bar. And uh, this stuff is awesome. It smells like, makes you smell manly instead of, you know, putting your body, your wife's stuff on your body and smelling like a woman. <laughs> um, and not to mention, I know it's good because my 18 year old son scalps this before I even can get it out of the mail. And so it, it's good stuff. Check them out, Dapper Guru. Um, Bone Fraud Coffee, veteran owned and operated, Navy SEAL based. Uh, yeah, and they give a boatload of money back, which I love. And the whole, the whole premise around this coffee is the founder uh, really felt like more people needed to understand um, the veteran community, understand the, the effects of war and, and uh, being in service. And so he's like, what better way to be around people than to have a hot cup of coffee with them? And so he founded Bone Frog Coffee, it, and he, he partnered actually with Seattle's Best um, just to get to know the coffee industry. And um, so the stuff is really good. And uh, they sent this to us, and then they also are sending it to us for our big event coming up in a few weeks. So if you were there, you have now have some of this in your GORUCK pack, which lucky you, a brand new GORUCK pack. And then um, Element, my friend Rob Wolf develop this stuff it is ridiculously good get yourself energized and dehydrated with the coffee and then hydrate yourself with element and you're in good shape in fact rob even puts the element in his coffee which i think is pretty pretty badass uh welcome to the show adam how are you doing awesome scott thanks so much and i when you put that coffee up i've actually had that coffee have you really really good yeah yeah it's really good yeah, and they, they sent me like all sorts of blends, and I've only tried one because I'm just sending it out to people. I'm like, hey, right. you know, order a shirt, hey, here's a bag of coffee or something like that because it's, it's just fun to, to spread the word. And when there's a good cause, right, it's like – and I've had one of their – I've had their operations guy on the podcast, and his story is epic. He was an Apache um, – I don't remember the word, but he rode in the front of the Apache helicopters in Afghanistan yeah. and talked a lot about that. So really intriguing and just a really stellar set of guys. Yeah. So, and I've, I've done, I've done podcasts with, uh, with veterans and I'm actually working with, I have three veterans in my, in my community right now that I'm working with to help share their stories and stuff. And, you know, I've had a lot of veterans that are addicted, reach out to me and I, I hate to say it, but they are extremely, extremely underserved, extremely oh underserved. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately my passion for this took a next level step. Uh, seven months ago, one of my best friends um, took his own life and he was a mm. veteran and, and those, unfortunately that experience along with kind of what was going on in the world was just too much for him to handle before, you know, we can, there's only so much we can do. 
when it's yeah. that late. And so my passion for this has turned up 10x. And I don't I hope that other people can grab that passion and that that desire to help that community prior to losing someone close because that is hell. Mm. His parents are going through hell. Um, and his wife as well. Uh, yeah, I've so actually I've got a good friend, um, Drew Robertson. He owns uh he started Mattersville Vets. God. And uh it happened after his his best friend uh killed himself also. And what he yeah. does is he actually opens up sanctuaries all over the country and he goes and saves wolf dogs, brings them into a sanctuary, and then has veterans run the sanctuary, take care of the wolf dogs, do the uh, tours and everything. So that's really awesome. cool. I love yeah. those companies that they're they're doing something and they they're giving purpose to the veteran community because you know, sometimes just having that that purpose, that thing attached yeah. to not just work, not just showing up somewhere, but there's that that they feel like they're making a difference, I think, is, is a really big part of recovery, reintegration, and then just making it happen. Like, like you're, you're that guy. I mean, just making it happen. Here's what I'm going to do. It takes creativity, but it also just takes your own money and time. And so yeah. it's incredible when when I hear about those. Uh, definitely love to talk to those people on the podcast because a high number of our listeners are uh, veterans or what would you non-active military depends on which which where you're from what you like to say so yeah um yeah. so speaking of past lives i mean that's, <laughs> uh, i want to hear your story and and it's been i've only heard just a teeny bit i do know you're a best-selling author i do know that you have uh a, what do you what would you call it um a recovery service uh, i can't think of the name um but yeah. It, yeah yeah and and you're a speaker and you know we touched base the other day and it was an immediate yes let's get you on because your yeah. story is phenomenal i mean you're you're a recovered addict and now you're taking that to the next level and and you're a guy and so many guys struggle with addiction it may not be you know hardcore drugs or intravenous drugs it may be it may be porn it may be um other, you know, gambling, I don't know. I, I think there's just a lot of different outlets there, but I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. And all addictions, they, they kind of trigger the same part of our brain. I'm just mm -hmm. focused on, on drugs and everything because there's, there's a different effect on our bodies that I'm actually able to, to help with. But that's awesome. What started with me. I went to, uh, I grew up in Littleton, Colorado. I went to Columbine high school. I was, you know, kind of, all American boy. I was football player, baseball player, wrestler, uh, captain of the football team. And we won state my senior year, you know, and had this great life, but I had this secret life also, because when I was 12 years old, I was introduced by cocaine by an older influence. So while I'm doing this whole sports career and everything, I'm partying on the weekends, which turns into, you know, partying kind of daily, you know, kind of going to school high, that kind of stuff and hiding it from everybody was what I was learning. I was learning I have to hide the stuff that I'm doing from everybody and put off this persona of who I am to the world, right? And then went off to college and on September 28, 2008, I had been out partying and drinking like most nights of my freshman year of college. And then I woke up to my phone ringing and vibrating down by my leg. And I swam through the soft sheets to find my hard phone with the bright screen that read 4.47 a.m. and my best friend Chucker was calling me. And I remember having the conscious choice that I could either answer the phone like I always do with, hey, what's up, Chuck? Or I can answer the way I was feeling with, uh, hello. Mm. And in my still drunken state, I chose the latter, to which a soft voice replied, hey, what's up? Why are you calling me this late? I was just calling to say hi. Don't call me this late again. 
and I hung up on him, and he shot himself. Oh. oh. And after that experience, um, I was unable to share it with anyone. It took me almost a decade before I actually told the truth about that phone call because I took it on to myself. I took the blame. I took the guilt. Um, I thought that I had killed my best friend. And that was the moment that I began consciously using drugs to cope with the way that life comes at me, cope with the way that I feel, cope with the way that I think. Um, if something bad happens, I go to drugs or alcohol, right? And this just ended up in a spiral. I found Oxycontin a few days after that for the first time. I was able to get a prescription from a doctor at 19, 20 years old for 250 milligrams per day of Oxycontin. When that runs out, we have to go to heroin. Everybody knows that story. And I'm going to skip a whole bunch of the, the garbage in there. But, um, you know, I ended up IV, drug addict. And on November 6th of 2015, I was working up in Montana. And I had a girlfriend at the time. She was staying at her aunt's house. And I went over there to see her. And I was hiding my drug use from her, so I wasn't using in front of her. And I told her I had to leave to go to my hotel, go to sleep, and uh, wake up and go to work. I leave. I go around the corner. I make up a shot of what I thought was heroin. And I put it in my arm. I got mad because I thought it was bunk. I was like, dang it, and like didn't feel anything. And then I start driving. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up on a pile of glass on the asphalt with blue and red lights all around me. Ooh. This episode is brought to you by Dapper Guru. Dapper Guru are men products that help you look good while conquering the world. Let's face it, gentlemen, we should not be using our wife's soaps and oils and such. We should smell like men and use products developed specifically for men. My friend at Dapper Guru, Robert, created these products. He tests these products. He is the real deal. This is a veteran-owned veteran supported company. And the cool thing is, is if you go to that webpage and put in the code brotherhood, you will get 10% off all of your purchases. I use the products. My son uses the products. Josh uses the products. You should be using the products. That's Dapper Guru. Check out the link in the podcast notes. Go place an order, place a small order, check it out. Uh, and you will know why we use these products. And that was, that was my overdose, you know, and, uh, that wasn't enough though. That event wasn't enough. And for another topic for another day, I had this much dope on me, a very, very small amount of dope. And I was given felony charges, five years suspended DOC sentence. So like basically holding this five year sentence over my head, if you don't get clean, this is going to happen. And then there was no treatment for me. And I couldn't get clean. I could not get clean. That wasn't enough. Four months later, I'm in the courtroom for a preliminary hearing. And my attorney and I are pretty confident that we're actually going to get the evidence suppressed because of illegal search and seizure. And we're sitting there and we're talking. And then we're like, all right, you ready? Yep. First thing the DA does is wheel out a 52-inch flat screen TV in front of the court, me, and my attorney, admits it into evidence, pushes play. And there's the body cam footage of them finding me without a breath and without pulse. And in that courtroom, I had to look into my own dead eyes with no spirit, no pulse, no breath. And I was just gone. Hmm. 
and I start bawling in that courtroom. I'm like, can I leave? And he's like, he's like, no, dude, you need to stay here for this, you know? And that still wasn't enough. So how is it that an addict can, you know, have something like that happen, can be found by police, wake up not knowing what happened and still have to use drugs, see himself dead on a TV screen in court for a felony. And still I can't stop using, right? And this goes on. And this whole time during my, during my drug use, I was able to hold down a really good job. I've always been able to knock doors and sell and be in the top of the company. And I'm working for this DirecTV Dish Network retailer and uh, killing it. And they pay for all of the, all the bills, all the housing and everything. And then they give us a check every week. So I'm enabling myself. They got to this point where in early 2017, I'm at this corporate housing apartment. I'm in Colorado at the time. And I'm sitting at my desk and I have this drawer that has all my, all my stuff in it, all my dope, all my needles and everything. And I just made up this shot and I was looking at this thing and I, with everything in me, I didn't want to do it. And as I looked at it, I knew that I had to, that I no longer even had that choice, that decision. And I started crying. And I remember the way that the syringe looked in my hand magnified and blurry through the tears. This, this thing that is taking everything from my life, but I still have to use it. And I set it down on the desk and I put my face in my hands and I started to cry harder. And then bro, I heard a voice from behind me say, pray. And I turned around and there was, there was no one there. And then I go back into my hands and I start crying harder. And then I just heard the voice repeat itself. And it says, pray. I got up and I limped over to my bed, not from physical pain, but from emotional pain from all the things I'd been through. I fell down to my knees and I put my hands up and all I could get out was God. And in that moment, I felt arms wrap up from behind me and hug me as if to say, I love you. And these weren't arms that were coming from someone that was above me and, you know, kneeling down over me like, it's going to be okay, buddy, you're going to be all right. These were arms of someone that had gotten down on the ground with me in my lowest point, hugged me and said, I love you right now the same as I ever have or ever will. And I got up, went over to my desk and I shot up. And I had to, bro. There was nothing I could do. Yeah. There was nothing yeah. I could do. It's, I wish people that hadn't been through that have never been through addiction could like see the brain scans of someone in addiction. Our brain reacts when we're in our addiction, our brain reacts to drugs the same way that it does for water and breath, bro. Wow. It is, it is a rough thing. And, uh, so I, I end up quitting that job. I called my boss. I was like, I'm going to die in my addiction. I, I can't keep enabling myself. I go up to Montana I end up at the homeless shelter, you know, and then I get kicked out of the homeless shelter because I still can't stop. I try everything. I'm going to two 12-step meetings a day. I'm going to church every Saturday, every Sunday. I'm going to Bible study every Tuesday. I even went to the MMA gym for a while thinking they might be able to beat clean into me mm. and nothing was working, bro. <laughs> going into my probation officer, asking him to put me in prison because I can't stop. And then on November 7th, 2017, uh, it was a Tuesday, the Tuesday of Bible study. I'd used the day before and, uh, I was sitting in this car that this girl let me borrow and it wasn't stolen, but I had to start it with a screwdriver. <laughs> it's just how we lived back then. Right. <laughs> and I'm sitting in this car and I realize that at this point 
I have le- legitimately tried everything I know to stop using. And I sat back in that seat and I told God, I was like, I'm done. I'm not going to this Bible study. I'm not going to church. I'm not going to these meetings. I'm not showing up for probation anymore. Please just let me die. And there was a different voice this time than the voice that told me to pray, which is really interesting that we can, I've I've found backing in the Bible from it. But this one came through my head and it was just like this soft whisper in my heart, bro. Just said, it's time, go. And when I heard that, the first thing I felt was anger. Because what's different about this time? What's different about this time than all the other times that I've dumped all my toilet, all my uh, dope in the toilet saying I'm never going to use again and then pawn my TV in the morning and go pick up dope? What's different about this time? So I'm screaming and I'm yelling at God, what's different about this time? And I'm crying and I'm pounding the steering wheel and just bawling my eyes out. And I get this all out. I get, I get all this anger out of him. And then when I finish, he just repeats himself. He said, it's time, go. So I go over, go to the Bible study. I bust in the doors 12 minutes late. I drop down on my knees and throw my hands up. I'm like, guys, I can't stop. I used again. Please help me. Please help me. And I'm just crying in a mess. And uh, my best friend, Brendan, was the Bible study leader. And he, you know, passed me on the shoulder. He's like, hey, bro, let's just get through Bible study, you know, and, um, you know, just such a, such a good friend at the time and um, get through Bible study. Elder prays for me at the end. And, you know, I'm feeling okay. I make it five days from there which is a miracle for someone like me at that point. I'm five days clean and sober. And Brendan comes and picks me up and takes me to IHOP, International House of Pancakes. And we're sitting there having breakfast. And we're just talking. I'm all excited because I have five days. Like, I can't believe this, you know? Like, I'm like I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And then I get a text message on my phone. And it's from my dope dealer. And I open it up. And it's like he's like, hey, bro, I just got some new stuff. It's fire. I'll give you a free 20 to try out. Right when I read it, I felt the spirit go in through the top of my head, all the way through my body. My toes were tingling. My fingers were tingling. I lost my peripheral vision. All I could see was the phone. And then my thumbs just started texting back. And it was in like King James. It was like, you shall not text me again. Thou hast texted me for the last time. (laughs) It was going crazy. And then uh, at the end of the text, I feel it leave me. I was like, what the heck? And I'm like looking at my phone and I show it to Brendan. I'm like, dude, that wasn't me. I was like, that was not me. He was like, Okay. <laughs> I was like, dude, I don't know what that was. I press send, I close it, I'm putting it in my pocket. I'm like, dude, I don't know what that was. And I look back up and Jesus is sitting across from me. The entire restaurant had completely disappeared. All I could see was his face. He was smiling at me and there was a bright glow coming from behind him. And everything I'm about to tell you happened in literally less than a second because I immediately knew who he was and immediately knew what was happening. But the only thing I can compare that moment to is when I used to shoot up heroin. It was in an instant with one warm flood, everything negative, all the worries, all the anxieties, all the negative thoughts, all the everything that was going on in my life just flooded out of me. But the difference between heroin and Jesus is when all the negative stuff was flooded out of me. I was immediately overwhelmed with a sense of peace, unconditional love, value, purpose that I had never had before, all in an instant. And I fell with my face to the table, my hand up. I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Came back up and he was gone. I haven't used drugs since. Absolutely incredible. So <laughs> there's... Uh... 
you you touched on the fact that when you do drugs of that nature, it, your body needs it like it needs air. I mean, yes. And I've I've read that I've heard that the physiological response. Um, you know, I've had some prescribed medications that took me two years to get off of, and they're like, yeah. no, this is this is what an addict feels like, and imagine stopping it immediately. And um, it's just even how hard that was getting off of it was it was just a an anti anxiety thing that I should have never been given, but it took me two years of waning off that. And that's just an yeah. anti-anxiety medication. And to, I don't think people get it, that, yeah. that the physiological response is so incredibly, it's pretty much life and death. Yeah. Um, so that's a wild story. I mean, that's a why, and I, I don't say story as if you're telling a story. It's just a, it's a wild story. Yeah. So your friend sitting across the table, did he kind of have an idea of what was going? You said it was just a second. No. So he's no. probably just going, this guy is tripping. I have he's, five, yeah, I have totally five days clean. He probably doesn't even know that I'm actually clean, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so you have this thing. Did you go through physical withdrawals after that or was, were you yes. just done? Yes. Yeah. I, I 100% believe that Jesus is able to, you know, strike someone clean, sober, no withdrawal, no cravings, none of that stuff, but that didn't happen for me. He showed me himself and I was still shaking, withdrawing every day. And I embarked on the 12 steps right. and I did the 12 steps as if my life depended on it. I did my first ever fifth step on day 25, clean and sober, nothing like super miraculous happened, but on day 26, uh, my sponsor that was picking me up every single morning at 6 30 AM from my sober living house came and picked me up in his 1983 mailman Jeep. And we're on the way to the uh, movie theater that he managed to go in the basement and do the work. 6.30 in the morning, I'm looking over at this beautiful sunrise. And I had a spiritual awakening that for the first time since I was 12 years old, I had no desire to drink or use. Hmm. That's, a long come back. Time. That's a long time to be using. Yeah. So that, that experience where you woke up in the morning, you were you know hungover and your friend was calling you. Was that really like the catalyst that just pushed you over to the end into the downward spiral? Yes. And that's why I, that's why I tell it, you know, mm -hmm. because, and I make sure that everybody knows that I didn't like start shooting up after that. And I had never used drugs before. The thing was, was that I had been using drugs. I had been partying. I had been drinking and stuff like that. And when something traumatic like that happened, when I had no other ways to cope, I had no other skills to, to be able to get through something like that. I dove directly into the one thing I know makes me feel good. Which is basically just numbing yourself and not yeah. facing any of those things. Yeah. How, how have you come to deal with that pain? Um, I mean, how long did it take you to kind of deal with this pain? I'm sure it was after you were, you know, recovered or in recovery when you dealt with that pain of that loss of that friend. Um, I mean, because that's, actually... that's a big deal, man. I mean, it's... It, yeah. I still hurt tremendously. I got the, the, the suicide text from my buddy, mm. you know, and it's like, and he was texting me the day before. And it's like, why didn't I read between the lines? You know, it's easy to look backwards and see all the evidence, but yeah, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to overcome that stuff. Yeah. Um, I actually told that story for the first time, the truth of it randomly one day to a street level heroin dealer. I don't know what got into me, but I was just like, I'm going to tell him what actually happened. 
And then the way that he received it, you know, was totally cool. Didn't judge me, no, you know, shame, no guilt, nothing. And that was about a year and a half. No, that was about two years before I actually got clean because that was actually, oh my gosh. That was the dope dealer that sold me the dope that I overdosed on. Wow. I just realized that on this podcast. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not cool, but cool. Yeah, yeah. So it was almost exactly two years before I got clean and sober. Um, so I was able to start being open about it. Yeah. And that's the first step to, to being able to find recovery from anything is honesty. Hmm. It's not just admitting I'm an addict because I was admitting I was an addict for years. It was being honest. Like from the get, I, I started to have that, you know, I don't need to hide who I am anymore. I was telling that I told my boss when I, when he first hired me, I'm a heroin addict, you know, and because I'm honest and I, and you know, I had a good track record. I wasn't out there like lying to customers to make sales. I was really good at it. And customers loved me, even though I was a heroin addict, you know? Yeah. And I was, I just started to be able to be honest. And that made it so that when I was ready, I had nothing to hide. You know, that is a big lesson in that for everybody. I mean, yeah. that honesty, you know, just let's just speak from any level, like a husband who is, you know, thought about a coworker and kind of had like a, what is it? A work, a work wife type thing. It's not been an affair, but it's just kind of like that thing saying to his wife, Hey, you know, Hey, this is going on. Or I had these feelings is super destructive. However, it's, it's super painful, excuse me, super painful. However, usually that's the pathway to recovery in your relationship. Yeah. And so I think that's such an important thing to point out is that honesty, that vulnerability is really, really where we're able to heal and grow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 100%. amazing that started before you were recovered. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> to, to your hair, your street level heroin dealer, Hey, this is what really happened. He's probably going dude, just buy, buy stuff from me. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I yeah. yeah. dude, I always, I always made relationships with everybody. It didn't matter. I was never someone that, you know, thought of this person as being a better person than this person, mm -hmm. because I've been, I've been coached in my addiction by really high level people. Have you heard of the book un, un F yourself? Yeah. 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 The, the author of that, uh, Gary John Bishop was coaching me in 2016 during my addiction every week, wow. every Wednesday, while he was actually writing that book. He was coaching me and you know, they know that I'm a heroin addict. They know, they know this. And they're just like, dude, if, if there was something we could do about this, there's so much that could happen over here, yeah, you know? Yeah. But there was, it was like, everybody was helpless, <laughs> you know? I think that's an important thing to, to point out. And the fact that um, you were so high functioning by being a great salesman and, and having success, even though you were in the midst of heroin addiction, um, but in my viewpoint of this, and maybe you see the same way, maybe you don't, is it's all for a reason. It's yeah. uh, like, I feel like every failure, everything that I do that's stupid, that is like, what was I thinking? There's all, it's all for a reason. It's that not, why did this happen to me? Or, you know, you know, why am I a victim of this? It's, um, why is this happening for me? Why did that happen mm. for me? And where am I going with that? So sounds to me, based on what you're doing now, that all of that, as destructive as it was, it happened for you and for a greater purpose. At least that's Amen. the way you've taken it. So yeah, let's talk I, about that. Yeah, there's a there's a life verse in, in the Bible, Genesis 50, 20. 
It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, mm -hmm. for which is now being done the saving of many lives. And I've looked into this a lot because if there was a God that would put me through what I went through just in order to do something like this, I don't, I don't know if I could jive with that God. I don't know if, I don't know if I could relate to that because there were so many times that I could have died. Right. Yeah. And that's why I had to dive deep into what that actually means. The fact that we have free will, we have the choices to make in our life. Right. And during that time, God is constantly on our side, looking at it like, okay, how can I make this good for him? How can I make this good for him? How can I make this good for him? And he's like building and building and building this thing based on our choices for when we actually decide to turn to him, yeah. right? He, he has never, ever, ever intended to harm anyone on this planet. Never. So hard for people to understand. And an, another way to actually interpret that verse or the way I've heard it is what, what the devil intends for ill God, you know, can make good or something to that nature. I had it yeah. better in my head, which is then like, okay. Um, you know, by design, if you're a believer, uh, if, if you kind of fall into this, this, um, belief system is that the devil is trying to destroy still, still steal, kill and destroy. And yeah. those things, those paths we go down because of free will, God can be in there and, and redeem us and make those things into good. Now, like, look, if you're listening and you're not a believer, Hey, just always open ears, open mind. You know, you all know where I stand. Um, but I think that no matter what, that has given me a lot of solace in my life when I've done something stupid is like, hey, look, this can be made into good. And it's just so hard to understand if there's a God, why would he let people die of, you know, painful cancer? Why would he keep someone in addiction and kill them? Why would he? And, um, you know, that's just something people have to grapple with. And, and I'm not a I'm not the, the guy to explain that. Listen to Jordan Peterson or someone else who really can get into it. Cause I'm like, when I listen to him, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'm like, yeah. I couldn't re-explain that. Yeah. <laughs> he uses some big words, bro. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, yeah. There's only so much I tell my wife, I'm like, I can listen to him for like 10 minutes and then I'm like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> but anyway, um, so you've taken this and now you have, you know, recover on purpose. You, Let's talk about your book. Let's talk about what you're doing now. I mean, you're in Colombia. You're in South America. Which, yeah. I mean, hey, Montana, Colorado, Montana, South America. You know, what's what's the big deal here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love I love how everywhere I go, God is already there. Mm. That's that's how I feel. And I, I believe that everywhere that I am, I'm supposed to be because why else would I be there? Right. Something's going to happen. But my book um, early on in recovery, I ended up starting a business. Um, well, I came on to a business that was struggling. They're really, really small and was able to build that to multiple seven figures. I was a chief marketing officer and had 15 to 23 employees at the, at that time. And I was just under two years clean and sober and I'm making more money than I've ever made. I've got, you know, this new apartment, downtown Denver. I've got this new car, a new motorcycle, all this stuff. And bro, I get to a point where I am just empty. Like I was depressed. I was sad. It's like, if this is what it is, I don't even want it. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the thought came up, like, well, maybe dope is better than this. You know, I was like, 
uh, this is not right. And I got up, I went over to my bed and I just started going into prayer deep. Like I am sick of this. Whatever it is you want me to do, God, I want to serve millions of people, God. I want to help millions of people, God. Show me what I need to do. And I'm praying deep into this. Go to bed next morning, same prayer. And within within 10 minutes of saying the prayer in the morning, I'm on Facebook or Instagram and see this uh, ad for a conference on how to bring God into business out in California. I was like, if that's not an answer, then <laughs> I don't know what is. So I click on it, get my ticket. I know nobody out there. Go out there first night. There's like 1,500 people there. They have Jesus culture on the stage, playing worship music. I'm in the in the on the ground in front of the stage, and I'm just like worshiping, and you know, have my hands up. I'm just like you know, waiting for the encounter, and then boom, God's voice, same one from that car, bro, through my head into my heart, whispers, "Your new company's called Recovered on Purpose." And I look up, and I'm like, "That's good." <laughs> I pull my phone out, pull my phone out, and I get on GoDaddy. I buy the domain name. I get on the Secretary of State, and I get that secured. And then through that conference, I'm like learning a whole bunch of stuff, having a good time. There's a bunch of great speakers and everything. And then the speaker comes up. Uh, Chandler Bolt, and he starts talking about publishing a book. And I'm like, I'm like, huh, I'm like taking notes and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to write a book and, you know, taking notes and everything. And then that voice again, bro. If you publish your book for your two years clean and sober, you're going to inspire so many others to do the same. And I'm like, two years clean and sober. And I'm like doing the math. I'm like, that's five weeks from now. It's September 28th, 2019 when this happens. I leave that conference, I go home and I shut out everything else. I tell my business partners, I'm like, hey, I need some time off. You know, I need you guys to take care of this. And I put my phone away and everything. And the first couple of days, I know that I can't just sit down and like write a book. You know, I can't just like dump out a book, right? So on this whiteboard, I map out my whole book. I dump everything, all my experiences out, all the different stories and everything. And then I figure out what the message is that I want to deliver. And it's exactly what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. My book is called From Chains to Saved, One Man's Journey Through the Spiritual Realm of Addiction. So I start plugging in all these different spiritual experiences I had before, during, after, and you know, during the really hard times and everything of my life. And then I compiled 21 short stories of spiritual experiences that would share my story through addiction and recovery. And then I just made a list wrote all of them. And then I had a book and I published my book on November 6th, 2019. And a couple of days later, it became a bestseller. And now uh, it's sold, you know, over 3000 copies. Um, and I'm able to give it away for free. Now I give it to people on my, on my website, recoveredonpurpose.com for digital and audio copies. They can pick that up for free. And during that process, what I didn't realize is that God is literally teaching me how to teach addicts how to tell their stories mm. because I, I did this. And as I'm doing this, all it is is a recovery story. I don't think that my story is like extra special or anything like that. I don't think that I'm this, like, I don't think that I'm the guy I've never thought I'm a guru or anything like that. But, and even at the beginning of this, I always thought I just wanted to lift up other addicts, to tell their stories. I even talked to mentors. I was like, what if I don't speak? What if I just like teach others to do it? They're like, how could you do that? You, you have to do it first to show people it's possible and then teach them how to do it. And so after I wrote the book, I started coaching others on how to write and publish books. Here's some of them back here that we got out of some of the courses. Right on. And um, now I'm doing a, a digital course plus a coaching and mentoring program called Recovery Speakers Share Your Story Powerfully. Dude, I created a really good digital course, like wow. super good production. 
um, worksheets and the whole way through how to get your story from not knowing how to tell it, being scrambled because we have been through so much stuff in addiction to having it completely prepared, confidently in everything. And then I teach you how to get on those platforms, podcasts, stages, live Facebook feeds, all that kind of stuff. Because we need more stories. Yeah. We need more people getting out and spreading hope for addict suffering. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. Now, <laughs> I kind of made a little joke when we first met, which was just like a day or two ago. So we went wham, bam, and we're on, um, yeah. which I'm pumped about. I'm, I'm pumped you found a spot because my schedule's crazy. But uh, you... I kind of laughed at the fact that you're kind of like in the cocaine capital of the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What took you to Columbia? Well, there's a few things that took me to Columbia. Um, and I don't share totally, uh, totally publicly about this a lot, but at the end of last year, that company that I built to multiple seven figures, I had a seven figure contract to be bought out of it. And 10 weeks after signing that contract, it was completely torn apart yep. by the people that were buying me out. Yep. Um, and I had to make a decision about if I'm going to sue my ex-partners for everything they have and take two to three to four years of my life and all this stuff, or if I'm going to take everything I've got and build Recovered on Purpose with everything I have and spend 10, 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week doing it. And it's quite a bit less expensive here in Colombia. <laughs> Plus, I've always wanted to learn Spanish, well, you know? Yeah. And so I'm getting a whole bunch of different opportunities while I'm doing this. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of things going on down here in Columbia also that I'm building something that's going to treat addicts. That's all I can really say that's awesome. right now, but that's happening down here also. That's awesome. I, I too, uh, I had a business in 2019 that I was dead last minute in the sale and they, backed out. Now, my number was probably a lot lower than you, but I immediately took on because I didn't want to continue on in the business because I wanted to pay attention to my wife and kids. Yeah. Um, I immediately took on about $350,000 in in debt. And I mean, wow. and so same thing. It's like, okay, I can spend my life like going through bankruptcy and getting rid of all the debt and being like, you know, whatever. Um, or I, I, instead, I spent about nine years paying every penny back. Right. Yeah. And those are the decisions we make because of the the what we're going to devote our life to moving forward. I didn't want to devote yeah. my life to skirting responsibility. I wanted to do, devote my life to learning how to be a father. and a husband. So good. Yeah. So good. And I think you're that's I'm so glad you told that story because men need to understand that that mistake does not define them. They need to understand that that mistake does not have to be the end of them or they don't have to. Um, I heard this at church the other day. Your issue is not your identity. Like that mm. is an issue. There's that, that like, and, and yeah, right. right? Preach I it, mean, dude. Yeah, Preach I mean, it. Just because it's happening to you, even if you let it happen, you were the purpose for it. That is not your identity. Do not sit in it. And that's exactly what you did. You're like, dude, I'm, I'm losing X amount of money, which was probably massive. I could make that what I do for the next few years, or I could go serve my purpose much bigger purpose yeah. and take a loss and go live in a cheaper place and do what I'm called to do. And so, man, I'm, I love yes. that you did that. Cause that is exactly what that is about. And, yeah. um, and this has been just ringing in my head over and over and over again, your identity 
or your your whatever I said. Your <laughs> issue is not your identity. Your I wrote that down, bro. Not your identity. <laughs> and this was yeah. just said in passing, and I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. You know, I had that yeah. moment, like just boom, hit with lightning, is Mac truck moment for me, where I'm like, bam. I'm like, I have had yes. this where my issue has been my identity, and I look at men over and over and over and over again, and so many of them are are suffering with that. They're living their identity as their issue. And yeah. that's not what we're called to do. Yeah. And we're all flawed, flawed. We're all gonna do stupid stuff. And we just cannot take that in. So yeah. What is your identity, Scott? My identity is in Christ. So I once had a, a, a you know, and I, I tell people, hey, this is not a Christian podcast, but I'm not gonna shy away from my belief. But I had a yeah. guest on early on who was kind of a mentor of mine and he said he's like i struggled so hard with my identity until i realized it's not uh who i am it's whose i am mm. and so and that is really hard for me to define it's really hard because i have my values you know and i have my stack my values i can't be a husband because then everything i am is around my husband a husband is part of my identity and yeah. it's incredibly important and, and being a father and being, you know, trying to be a leader and trying to be someone who shows people a better way to live and, and ways to step up and serve their family and serve their community better. But that's not who I am. You know, mm. who I am, I am a, I am a spiritual, uh, you know, I'm a guy who believes in a spiritual world, who, who has a bigger purpose on this earth than just walking, making money and, and seeking um, temporary you know, fulfillment. And so yeah. it's really, it, that's a, that's a really tough question. I'm still kind of defining. What would you say to that? Same question. Yeah. I, I love how you just broke it down, but I'm a child of most high God, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm authentically me and I share myself and my story every single day. So addicts out there suffering, know that there's a way out and addicts in recovery know to live a life of purpose, mission, and passion in their recovery. There you go. Those are kind of my, those are my identity statements that, love it. that, carry me into what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times what I'm really trying to avoid is the, my identity as a business owner, because I lived in that for mm. a long time, you know? Yeah, oh, I dude, it is crushing. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm a podcaster. It's like, no, you do podcast. I'm a mountain yes. biker. No, I love mountain biking or I love rucking. That doesn't make me a rucker yeah. or a mountain biker or a podcaster. And I think those are really, really finite decisions we have to make. And we have to live so other men can see like, oh, I'm not that corporate. I am not a corporate guy. No, that's just what you do yeah. to, to supply, support your family. Yeah. And so that's one of the biggest messages I think men need to have, especially like the way you said it for addicts. Like that is so incredibly important. Yeah. So, uh, man, I love your work. <laughs> you got you. me fired up. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're... So you're now down there, you're doing some big things, you're putting massive hours in, you have a course for guys that are going through recovery or recovered to share their story. Sharing your story is a, is a really, really important skill. I mean, you obviously have a gifting there if you were really good at sales with connecting with people, you know, connecting with your audience, even if it's an audience of one. Was that always just something you had? Have you honed that in over time? Because, honed it in for sure. And yeah. And I want to make that make that clear. Also, I have knocked over a hundred thousand doors to get to wow. where to get to where I was. I was, yeah. I was knocking. I knocked three hundred and sixty-five days a year, nearly in two thousand eleven or two thousand twelve, and then half of two thousand thirteen. Like nearly three hundred sixty-five days. Yeah. Snow, rain, everything. Yeah. 
So I was building a pest control business and I had a partner and we had this really strong why for what we were doing. And that made it so that it wasn't, you know, if you're going up to a door and you're like, oh, what is this person going to think? You know, are they going to, are they going to accept me and that kind of stuff? If that's stronger than your why, you'll never get good. Yeah. But if you have a why to go do it and, and you can shut that stuff up because people accept people, period. This episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast is brought to you by Direct Hemp. Direct Hemp are the CBD experts who stand behind all of their products, their providers, and all of the great science behind new innovations in the space. So I've been using some of their products, uh, specifically Charlotte's Web Sleep Gummies. This is a hemp extract infused gummy with melatonin. And I'll tell you what, my wife and I have both experienced amazing results from using these sleep gummies. We're sleeping better. We're waking up more refreshed. We're falling asleep faster. We're getting more REM sleep. I really pay attention to my sleep analytics. I have several apps and devices that actually record how well my sleep is. And these things make a massive difference. And why do I care? Because sleep improves, good sleep improves judgment, recovery, it reduces stress. It reduces inflammation. It improves memory and aids in weight loss, among other things. And these are all scientifically backed facts. So you need to be getting better sleep. And the best place to get your sleep products is through Direct Hemp. So check out the show notes. There will be a link to get 15% off. Use the coupon code BROTHERHOOD and you'll be on your way to better sleep with great tasting, very effective gummies, as well as hundreds of other brands and companies or uh, products that you will enjoy. And the ones that don't are just not accepting of themselves and that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. You are. It's very simple to connect with people if you have good intentions. And that's what I was gonna say that about the identity. If your identity is centered around something that you are and something who you are to serve others, you will never fail in the identity department. That's a really good, that's a really good statement. Yeah, whoever whoever you need to serve, and usually that's people that are in the darkness that you have overcome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. That's a really good takeaway. Uh, so obviously, we uh, we know we can download your book. What was that website again? Recoveredonpurpose.com. Recovered on purpose. And I've got a bunch of different resources on there. If okay. you have family member that's struggling with opiate addiction, I do free calls with you, addicts awesome. and recovery free calls. That's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. And um, so it's opiate addiction specifically because that's your experience. I know guys are experiencing all sorts of addictions like we, you know, yeah. we were talking about earlier, but um, yeah. So the reason, the reason why um, is because opiate addiction is what's killing so many people right now. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I'm it's, focusing on. Yeah. I've, I, dude, I was heroin, meth and crack. I've wow. been addicted to all of them. Yeah. But because of the because of what's happening to so many young kids right now um that's what i'm working on yeah yeah now we got fentanyl we i mean it's just getting it's getting yeah. crazy it's it's getting crazy i don't know that uh, last year was 107 plus thousand people in america and it's it's climbing this year it's so gone up this year again it's it really truly is the real issue we should be be looking yeah. at it's <laughs> the number one cause of death now for men 18 to 45. that's insane that is that is incredible and more than car accidents alcohol violence cancer combined bro wow 
and people I aren't that, talking about it enough. No, that's a, that's a number people need to understand. Like if you want to get behind a purpose, here you go. This is a big yeah. deal. My, I, I, I truly believe that another one is um, human trafficking and sex yes. trafficking. Those, those for me are like it, this, and those are so tied also into that drug world. It's just so connected. And that yeah. really is our, our epidemic of this, of this decade, in my opinion, yeah. those two things. So, yeah. yeah. And they, they're oftentimes coupled. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I've, I've got a lot of friends that are doing good work and nonprofit work in the trafficking area. Mm-hmm. And bro, I coach women also. And the women that have been through that, you know, and they're, they're, they can literally be fed and addicted to drugs by those people in order to control them. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. The darkness of that world is, is it's, yeah, yeah it's it, hard to understand. A lot of guys make a case for porn and I just always go back to, there's really no ethical porn. Almost every single person in that industry that's on video or whatever is in some sort of slavery and drug enablement and provision is slavery because they're yeah. the, you know, where you were, where like, I can't go without this. I have to have it. Well, what's the, yeah. well, then you need to do X, Y, and Z. And so, um, I, I just, I, that's why I'm so against porn. Some guys really have a problem with that. And I'm really adamantly against it. I'm like, it's yeah. all it is doing is supplying and supporting this bigger issue. And it's a big, yeah. it's a big issue on its own. So. And every single time it's, it's spiritually traumatizing the person you're watching again. Yeah. Every single person you're watching is being spiritual, spiritually traumatized by every single view. Yeah. And, uh, I had a guest on and he wrote a, he wrote a book, co-authored a book is men fight for me. And, um, he runs a, a nonprofit in LA and he basically, he said it this bluntly. And this isn't really the topic of this podcast, but it's really important to share this message. He said it this bluntly. If you're watching porn, you're watching rape. You are supporting rape. And I was like, that is a pretty serious, serious. It's true, dude. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So that leaves a mark in my brain. And so it makes me pretty passionate. And and of course, most of that is is triggered and driven through drugs. And so, um, man, I really appreciate what you're doing. I'm so pumped we got connected. I think that, uh, you know, you have a pretty high calling and I'm, I'm blessed to, to get to know you and see what you're doing and, um, love to continue supporting you, Adam. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Scott. Love what you're doing also, brother. Thanks, brother. Got a lot of men. I'm going to go and point your way. (laughs) Right on. I love it. Bring them. All right, guys. Hey, thank you for listening to this podcast. By all means, check out the link in the show notes or the YouTube video link, whatever. Go check out Adam Vibe Gunton. Support the man. He's doing incredible work. And if you know somebody needs help, obviously he is an amazing resource. You know, like put away your perceptions about his beliefs, my beliefs, and just look at the core of what's going on here. And there's no way you can deny that he's got something amazing going on. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.